today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks. What the heck happened last night in Las Vegas? We'll talk about it on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Holy vey. So much happened. I don't even know where to start. But welcome everyone to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. And we've got quite a bit to talk about, believe it or not. First, a reminder, you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts can be heard. Also, follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. Follow this podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. Also, make sure to rate five stars. Subscribe if you love the podcast. All right, let's get right into it. The Anaheim Ducks played one of the wackier games all season long, and frankly, This was a game that they deserved to win. I almost hate to say this, but it's almost like the Vegas Golden Knights, they had a victory. I mean, it was kind of an emeritus victory, an emeritus victory in that they did not deserve to win because the Ducks played that well. The Ducks could have easily gotten at least one point out of last night's game. Probably should have gotten two. Let's be honest. This was one of the best games the Anaheim Ducks have ever played against the Vegas Golden Knights. But of course, this is Vegas. They're that good. As I've mentioned, it's very difficult for the Ducks to win any games in Vegas, much less a game of that stature. So let's pick things up right away in the first period where the Ducks got off to a very slow start. In fact, so slow that it was Chandler Stevenson who got the first goal of the night. Yes, I say it's like that's Chandler. I don't know why. Uh, So, yeah, of course he scored the first goal of the game on kind of a nice little, not a breakaway, but it was a nice goal nonetheless. Uh, On some some assists from Dylan Coughlin and Mark Stone. I talked about Mark Stone previously. He's the leading point scorer. He's that good, folks. He's the real deal. So that made it 1-0 Vegas early on. Then later on in the period, it could have easily been 1-1 tied. But no, Marc-Andre Fleury had to go and be aggressive and get some good saves. And I will get to the jerseys right now, actually. Because I was going to talk about this. Now, you know what? No, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it because I want to talk about Ryan Miller for a hot minute. Ryan Miller, the great American hero, as I've talked about. He's the greatest American goaltender. Yeah, he saved one Easily on a two-on-one break. This was a Mark Stone pass to Max Pacioretty. And Pacioretty had a lot of open net. But Ryan Miller said, give me that. He took that away, snatched it out of thin air. And that kept it at 1-0 for a while. But finally, towards the end of the first period, I've called him the Corsi King before. He's now apparently the Corsi God. As Jonathan Marcheseau scored another goal this season, he got a lucky bounce. And I feel bad for Jacob Larson here because Larson was right there. There was a weird deflection, and that was just the bounce that went Marcheseau's way. And that was Jonathan's third goal of the season only, if you can believe that. That made it 2-0 Vegas. Immediately after that, on the faceoff, guess who fought? Go on, take a guess. I bet you can guess that it was Nick Delorier who fought once again. But would you believe he fought Ryan Reeves on this one? I mean, both combatants are about the same height, about the same in pounds. They're both about 6'2", 6'3", 
both weigh about the same. And Nick Delorier, I got to give him credit. He held his own. He got a couple good punches in there. And the sole reason for this fight, Nick Delorier sensed that the Ducks were losing steam. They both are about 6'2", 6'3". They both weigh about 220 pounds. Reeves got some shots in. Delorier got some better shots in. Guess which bench was a little bit more hyped after that fight. You better bet your ass that it was the Anaheim Ducks. Delorier knew exactly what he was doing. That fired up the Ducks, and you could tell right away that the fight fired them up. Yes, the Ducks did enter the locker room with a 2-0 disadvantage. And yes, it did get worse because Alex Tuck scored another goal this season, so it was 3-0 Vegas. This is Alex Tuck's fourth goal of the season. But then right after that, maybe a minute after that, guess who scored his second goal of the season? That is Isaac Lundestrom on a sweet pass from Max Comtois to make it 3-1 Vegas. So Anaheim showing something here. But then later on in the period, actually very late in the period, after the Ducks had chance after chance after chance, if you could believe that, Nick Roy scored to make it 4-1 Golden Knights. So at the time, I thought, well, okay, this one's over. The Ducks are down by three goals. And I said, let's be honest. Did we really expect the Ducks to steal three or four points from Vegas? Be honest. I bet none of you expected that. I certainly didn't. I said before, the Ducks would be okay to take two points from Vegas. They'd be thrilled with one point. Because this is Vegas. So now we enter the third period. The Ducks are down by three goals. They've seen this before. Then something strange happened. The Ducks completely came alive in that period. Yes, Vegas did outshoot the Ducks 12-8 in the third. But as far as high danger chances, as far as shot attempts, Anaheim looked pretty good for the first half of that period. Maybe the first 10 minutes, it was all Anaheim, if you can believe that. This might be the best 10-minute stretch they've played probably all season long. Because the Ducks crashed the net right in front of Marc-Andre Fleury. That made it 4-2 Vegas on a nice snipe shot from Troy Terry. But they're not done yet. Because only two minutes after that, Adam Henrique, yes, Uncle Rico, he's come back strong. He scored his third of the season on a feed from Troy Terry. So that made it 4-3 Vegas. Hmm, this was a weird goal. I mean, there was a lot of great puck movement, not necessarily a tic-tac-toe puck, but, you know, it went right towards the center by Troy Terry. He generated that goal all the way. He moved around perfectly. He got it to the right spot. So I give Troy Terry a lot of credit for that goal, and Uncle Rico pretty much getting it done right when he needed to. So that made it 4-3. to But then, oh, we weren't done yet. Because only two minutes later, the Ducks go on a power play. Oh boy. Nicholas Roy high-sticked Ryan Getzloff. So the Ducks go on the power play. I have criticized the power play time and time again. Some things needed to change. Well, believe it or not, they actually utilized some of those changes on this power play. And it worked out perfectly. The Ducks actually scored on a power play. Yes, that really happened. They came back from three down. They scored three goals 
in four and a half minutes and tied the game at four late in the third on a nice goal from Ryan Getzloff, who had been high-sticked, sat out the first part of the power play, came back and said, no, you know what? I'm going to score my first goal of the season. And you know what? I called this. I said Getzloff, when he comes back, he would score his first goal of the season. And he did on a power play. The assist from Kevin Shattenkirk and Ricard Raquel tied it at four, but the heartbreaker at the very end. And I will go much more in-depth after the intermission. Zach Whitecloud got his second of the season, and this was an absolute heartbreaker. That one hurt a lot. It was on a rebound. I mean, okay, so first off, Carrier did just kind of throw it on the net, and this was a lucky bounce. Cam Fowler was right there. So was Yanni Hockenpah. They tried their best to deflect it away. But it was Zach Whitecloud. He got his second of the year. That made it 5-4 late. And that was the final score. Vegas won 5-4 in regulation. The Ducks end up with no points despite playing one of their better games of the season. And I will go much more in-depth about the game. I'm going to talk about jerseys. I'm going to talk about Ryan Miller. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. With football over, that doesn't mean that you can't go to Bet Online anymore. There are plenty of other sports, like baseball's coming up next month. You have the NBA. You have the NHL. They're in full swing right now. If you go to betonline.ag right now and enter promo code Locked On you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, that is betonline.ag, your trusted online sportsbook and the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please gamble responsibly. And we're going to talk much more about this one and go really in-depth on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and I just went over a slew of goals that happened in last night's game in Vegas. Once again, the Golden Knights defeated the Ducks 5-4 in regulation, not overtime. So the Ducks leave Vegas with no points. Well, why am I saying that? They're leaving Vegas? Uh, That's very possible. We'll get to that momentarily. But first, let's talk about the game that just happened. So first, I mentioned this last time, and I'm going to just say this right now. Why aren't the Ducks wearing their reverse retros on the road? It's a white base. Why not? Because Vegas did that. They trotted out their reverse retro jerseys for the first time last night. The thing about their reverse retros, the Vegas Golden Knights are a newer team, right? So they don't have anything to fall back on as far as quote-unquote retro, right? Uh, Apparently wrong. They went back to the 90s, and they went to their IHL days. Or in other words, the Las Vegas Thunder. And by that, they had the diagonal stripes going down on each side. So as far as the striping, that was their inspiration for this reverse retro. And in fact, they used red base. 
Now, they've never done that before. They've never had a red base jersey. They've had their white ones. They've had their charcoal gray ones. And yes, they even had their golden alternate. They're way too much gold alternate. And then you trot out these red ones. It looks a little bit strange. I mean, it's not the worst Retroverse jersey. Is it my favorite? No. But is it okay? Eh, sure. I mean, having the alternate logo on front is kind of a neat twist. The patterning, the striping. It does remind me a little bit of the old school Vegas hockey teams. It kind of reminds me of the Las Vegas Wranglers, if you guys remember that team. From the ECHL days, the Las Vegas Wranglers had a red base jersey. So maybe in a sense they went to that. No, they didn't. Because red is technically a secondary color for the Vegas Golden Knights. So maybe I'm just thinking, well, I missed the ECHL days because those were fun games to watch. Those were fun to attend. Those were fun. Except for the midnight game. If you happen to be someone that was covering the game and had a midnight game that ended at 2.30 a.m., and didn't leave the arena till 3 a.m. Yeah, those late start times get a little bit testy there. But, I mean, it was still fun. It was still a thing. But anyway, I'm digressing here. So the Vegas Golden Knights wore red. The Ducks could have worn a different white base jersey instead of their usual road white jersey. This could have been a fun time to trot out the reverse retro of Wild Wing busting out of the ice. Why not bust it out now? No, they decided to wait till later this month if they play those games. Again, I'm alluding to something. We'll, we'll see what happens. Something else I wanted to mention. Uh, okay, so the Ducks did not have John Gibson last night because apparently he had a face laceration that he suffered in practice. Not a major laceration, just enough to keep him out of the lineup for a day. So that meant that Anthony Stolarz got called up to Anaheim. He was, in fact, the primary backup goalie to Ryan Miller, the great American hero. Ryan Miller, I thought, did a fine job. He had a lot of shots on net towards him. He had a lot of shots on goal. He had a couple of very fantastic saves, including one snatched away that I thought was a spectacular save. I thought both goalies for what it's worth, did an okay job and tried to save as many surefire goals as possible. They did their best. Anaheim's offense woke up a little bit. Vegas, their offense is always awake. So for Ryan Miller to have any chance to get this Vegas team, the Ducks would have needed to score four or five goals. They came close. So that's about John Gibson and Ryan Miller. I, I was hoping Miller would get the win on this one. Because he would have tied Dominic Hasek for all-time goaltending wins. But he is still one win behind Hasek. He'll get his chances soon. He'll get his chance. He will tie Hasek. He will break Hasek's mark this season. Count on that. One player that I did mention before, and this is kind of the bad. So I, I usually say like one or two good things about the Ducks, then one bad thing. I'm going to start with the bad thing first. Sam Steele did not have a great game at all. In fact, we're starting to hear some rumblings from fans. Is it time to send Sam Steele down? Well, he's only got three points this season. How many goals? None. That would be zero. And this is despite the fact that Sam Steele had a decent start to the season. 
But last night, he was a minus one, which I know shouldn't count. But he was a minus one. He was pretty okay on the faceoff dot last night. He only won four of nine. He played 18 minutes. He had a lot of ice time, which is fine. But he hasn't produced at the level that he's used to. Sam Steele, once again, zero goals, three points. These are his lowest marks. Last season, he had a pretty decent stretch. Uh, he had six goals and 22 points in 65 games. But his rookie campaign, in only 22 games, he had six goals, five assists for 11 points. I felt like the 18-19 season was his breakout party. This after having a great start in San Diego back in 2018. Fast forward to now. Is it time to maybe send him down to the taxi squad? Is it possibly time to send Sam Steele down to San Diego? Is he at that point now where he has to be in San Diego? This might be. I think Sam Steele needs to kind of just figure out his place in the team right now. Because it feels like he doesn't fit in this squad. Or he doesn't feel comfortable with that line of Denton Heinen and Jakob Silverberg. Silverberg's doing okay. Heinen's doing okay. Sam Steele hasn't quite found his place. Steele was also on the kid line before. He'd be on a line with Troy Terry. He'd be on a line with Max Contois. This was when Lundestrom was not up with the team. You had Steele, Terry, Comtois. Steele, I thought, had something pretty decent going with Terry and Comtois whenever they would be on the same line. And Troy and Max would be on opposite wings, even though they both kind of play the same position. But then you broke up that line. You broke up that kid line, and you insert Isaac Lundestrom because Derek Grant's injured. Lundestrom and Comtois are playing so well together right now. It's like they've been teammates. Oh wait, they were teammates before back in San Diego. They've done this before. Throw in Ricard Raquel, and you've got one of the better lines of last night's game. I thought the two best lines, and these are going to the two good things I liked, was the line of Henrique Getzloff Terry, Raquel Lundestrom Comtois, and the defensive pairing I thought did a great job last night was Hampus Lindholm and Kevin Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk finally broke out and had a pretty decent game. In fact, Shatty had two points last night. Lindholm had a point, so that extends his point streak to three. But the forward lines that I liked a lot. I want to talk about Lundestrom and Comtois really quick. I think Comtois has benefited from having Lundestrom back up with the Ducks. As we mentioned, Lundestrom scored his second goal in two games. Those are his first two career NHL goals. I think I've mentioned this last year, and I mentioned this before. Lundestrom belongs in the NHL. And I even mentioned this during the preseason game against the Ontario Reign, where Lundestrom nearly destroyed the Reign. I mean, he kind of did. He had a multiple-point game in preseason. And I said even back then, it feels like Lundestrom belongs in the NHL now. I am going to stick to that. I will die on the hill. I think Lundestrom belongs in the league. And if anybody's going to get sent down to San Diego when the Elite 1C comes back, it has to be Sam Steele. Getzloff's doing pretty well. David Backus is even doing a good job at center. 
So is Isaac Lundestrom. We know how good Derek Grant is. So if there's an odd man out, I'm sorry, but it has to be Sam Steele. I think it is time for him to, at the very least, go down to the taxi squad. He needs to refresh his mind. He needs to recharge the batteries. So that line of Lundestrom Comtois. But the top line, Henrik Getzloff, Terry, they cleaned up last night. In fact, it was that line of Henrik Getzloff, Terry. They each had a goal. Henrik scored one. Getzy scored one. Terry scored one. That was by far the best line of the night. They had a Corsi 4 percentage of 62.5%. The best out of all four lines. Wait a minute. You mean a Ducks line actually had positive Corsi against the Vegas Golden Knights? Who are, for all intents and purposes, one of the best Corsi teams in the National Hockey League? Is that really? Yes, that happened last night. Despite the fact that the Ducks have been outshot, out-attempted multiple times against Vegas this season, guess what? The Ducks actually had more shot attempts by one. But still, 53-52 to in total shot attempts, advantage Anaheim, if you can believe that. 53-52, however, the high danger chances were in favor of Vegas 11-6. to for what it's worth, not the best look for the Ducks because they allowed 11 high-danger chances. And as far as the power play, this was something that was a little bit better today. There was more movement. Having Ryan Getzloff back in that power play unit, the second one tonight, or last night rather, I thought was much improved. And that did result in that power play goal, which I still cannot believe. So one more thing that I want to get through before going into the intermission. So before the game, it was Dallas Eakins that spoke to the press. And this is thanks to Felix Sicard or at Felix underscore Sicard. So thank you, Felix, for these quotes. Greatly appreciated. Uh, he had some quotes. And here's what Eakins said. And this was about his lack of power play success with the team. Quote, I can honestly say I'm not sure what it is. We've tried different setups. We've tried different groups. It's like this black cloud over top of us, raining down on us that we can't get out of our organization. End quote. So yeah, I mean, he's not sure about the power play. Let's face it. Whatever Eakins did in the AHL worked. It's not going to work in the National Hockey League. These players are much faster, much better. Maybe the system is a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to say stagnant. Because that's what Eakins kind of did with San Diego, but it did work. However, he did have some faster players in San Diego. He let those kids play. He had Comtois there. He had Lundestrom there. A lot of these same guys that were on San Diego back when Eakins was coaching is on the Ducks now. You'd think he'd have those guys out there on the power play. Show some confidence in your youngins is all I'm saying. And here's what else Dallas Eakins had to say about it. Quote, We did a ton of homework in the offseason looked at a bunch of power plays we thought our players would fit into. The one thing we're never going to do is give up on it. We do have the players. I still believe that can execute and score. We've just got to shake this doom and gloom on the power play because it has built up over the years. I do believe now that it's more mental than anything. End quote. Ooh, that is kind of telling and here's why. He said the power play hasn't worked and it's built up over the years. 
this might be a slight, not, I don't want to say insult, but maybe there's a slight bit of, I, I don't know how to put this. Maybe this is towards the GM, Bob Murray. Bob Murray doesn't exactly have the best luck in getting power play units out there. In fact, the Ducks have been one of the less than average power play teams in the past five or six seasons. Ever since Tamu Solani retired, their power play percentage has gone down precipitously. In fact, looking at the two years after Solani retired, their power play percentage went down about four or five percent, and it hasn't recovered at all since. In fact, it's gotten worse since then. So this might be a black cloud as far as, you know, the GM not getting better talent around the power play. That's a possibility. Am I reading between the lines here? A little bit. And here's some more quotes from Dallas Eakins right before tonight's game. Quote, The first step for me is shot attempts with net front presence, and that's not rocket science. That's just old school power play. Shot attempts with net front presence. End quote. So he's realized that this has been in the organization for years now, and he thinks fixing it would be having someone in front of the net. Well, that's exactly what happened last night. Ryan Gesloff was in front of the net. They actually had some screening going on, something that we hadn't seen in the previous, or rather in the first six, seven games. There was hardly any screens in front of the opposing goaltenders. That did happen a little bit tonight. It made Marc-Andre Fleury's job a little bit tougher. So credit to Eakins for trying to make a simple solution come to fruition. And it did work because they were one for two on the power plays last night. So that's what Eakins had to say about that. And Dallas Eakins was going to comment more about the power play post-game last night. However, and I have alluded to this throughout the podcast... Dallas Eakins did not get to talk to the media after the game. In fact, hardly anyone did. The only player that talked after the game was one Troy Terry, and that was it. We had Troy Terry for a few minutes, and then the Zoom call abruptly ended. Well, why did it end? Because of COVID protocols. Yes, this happened last night, and we're going to go much more in-depth into this on the other side of the intermission. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. And folks, there's a new flavor that just came out, and thank you to Built Bar for sending this over. Their newest flavor, I'm looking at it right now, is Coconut Brownie Chunk. You can find this new flavor of Built Bar on their website, which is BuiltBar.com. And this new flavor is very delicious. I just tried it earlier tonight. It is fantastic. So once again, thanks to Built for sending over this new product. This one has 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, 100% taste. This was very delicious. I'm going to go through this. 7 grams of sugar, 15 grams of protein, only 150 calories. But this might be one of their more delicious Built Bars they've trotted out. So once again... Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order of Built Bar. And that is the best tasting protein bar in the land. And we're going to go more in-depth as to what exactly happened 
after last night's game. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So I'm going to really peel back the curtain a lot today. I typically record these ahead of time, either night before or the morning of, or at least one segment the morning of. But I wanted to wait on this news for a very specific reason. Because, to be honest, we were not sure if there was going to be hockey being played on Thursday. So I waited and waited until there was official word from the National Hockey League. And there was rumors flying around that perhaps Thursday's game might not be played. And this is all just... It's it's free-flowing. It's new information by the hour, it seems like. So here's exactly what happened last night. Immediately after the game, Dallas Eakins was supposed to be speaking to the media. Instead, we only got eight minutes of Troy Terry talking about that heartbreaker of a game. The Golden Knights media availability was canceled because of COVID protocols. So immediately, we knew something was amiss right away. And developments were trying to be uh, collected last night. Finally, it was revealed that there was a player that indeed did test positive for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, this was this was bad. It was Tomas Noshek who immediately tested positive, and that was revealed during the second period. If you can believe that, so you mean to tell me that the players tested before the game? They did not get those results until the second period, and then you hold him out. He was in direct contact with everybody on that bench. Everybody. So as far as contract tracing goes, you've got to trace back to every single player, right? That makes sense. Thomas Noshek was immediately in a COVID protocol. He was separated from the rest of the team. He did not take any questions, obviously, nor did the Golden Knights. Anaheim decided to immediately stop the press conference right then and there. The Zoom call was only eight minutes long and that was it. So this was all developing late last night. We're talking like 10, 11, midnight. This was going on all night. And I just wanted everyone to stay safe out there. Uh, Late night, we heard that the Vegas Golden Knights will not hold practice or availability. That's today. We found that out just before midnight. So finally, everybody could go to sleep and say, you know what, I'm just going to record two segments, get those out of the way. Because at the time, there was the assumption that Thursday's game between these same two teams would not be played. That was the general assumption among the media and among other people within hockey. Because we've seen this happen in Buffalo. We've seen this happen in New Jersey. Minnesota that if a player tests positive then you got to cancel the next game especially if it's the same two teams you've got to call or postpone the next game that's what we thought was going to happen last night and even into this morning and by the way huge huge shout out to Danny Webster who was the former host of Locked on VGK Danny Webster thank you so much for keeping us in tune with everything going on with the Vegas Golden Knights. So Danny Webster posted this morning from um, Elliot Friedman, quote, The Golden Knights will not practice and have no availability on Wednesday, suggesting another shutdown is possible. There's a lot of worry about the new B1117 COVID strain, how aggressive it is, 
and what it can mean, end quote. That is a very valid concern because if you have this new strain from the UK and it's more potent than the previous strain, yeah, you should be a little bit worried. You should be worried about what it means and if any player gets it. Obviously, we've been talking about COVID for the past 11 months now in the National Hockey League. It's dominated the news for almost a year now. So yeah, there should be some concern. Should the players be playing out there? Probably not. But that's what was being said early this morning, was a shutdown was possible. Even some saying that it was very probable that they were going to shut down Vegas camp and just postpone Thursday's game and whatever game they had in the following couple days. Then it was said by NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, he said the league issued a statement today explaining exactly what happened during Tuesday's game between the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. And it was also pointed out that Noshek and Shea Theodore missed the third period, although Theodore missed the period because of injury. Noshek missed the period because of COVID, apparently. So that's exactly what happened at the time. Then it was said by Frank Saravelli that the NHL would release a statement later today. We were hoping it would come around noon or 1 o'clock because that's when these things typically happened. Then we were told that the Ducks were still going to skate at 12.45 today in Las Vegas. And they were expected to speak with the media after practice. And Dallas Eakins, he was not too thrilled. He didn't like that Vegas tested positive. He didn't like the way it happened. And he said that there was a positive test with the Golden Knights. But he said until otherwise, the game is still on for tomorrow, which is Thursday. End quote. Completely reading between the lines here, Dallas Eakin said, quote, Obviously, the other team had a positive case, and that puts everybody on red alert. End quote. Yeah, he's not mincing words. We can read between the lines here. We know he's a little bit ticked off. I mean, some people are saying, yeah, it's kind of dickish of him to say it in that tone. Look, he's pissed. He's upset that Nozick was even still allowed to play despite the fact that his results were not back. So you bet he's ticked off. It's not dickish. It's the truth. Dallas Eakins has every right to be ticked off. Look, what the NHL is doing is kind of a joke. It's not that hard. You get tested. You get the test back. If you're negative, you play. If you're positive, you don't play. How hard is it? I mean, I'm going to go personal here. I tested yesterday at 4 o'clock. I got the results back less than 24 hours later because right now there's more of a focus on getting vaccines. Testing sites are pretty much not empty, but they're certainly emptier than they were five, six months ago. I can get tested right now if I needed to and get the results back tomorrow because that's how quick the turnaround is nowadays. So again, how hard is it to do that? Just test it, get it done in a few hours, and get the results back as quickly as possible. I mean, that's what the league is supposed to be doing, right? They're supposed to be having players safe, right? Right? A am I wrong? I, I I don't know if I'm wrong here. I don't know if I'm off base here. But you got to keep the players safe. That's what's paramount. You need to keep the players safe. Now, Dallas Eakin said he had no problem with the game continuing... Yes, it's a, quote, topic of discussion, end quote. 
but he trusts the league and its protocols, I guess. Yeah, he's reluctant to play. Should he trust the protocols given what happened yesterday? Should he really trust him? I don't know if he should trust the protocols because look exactly what happened last night. All this craziness in the past 15 hours. And then finally, we found out that Thomas Noshik was in the COVID protocol list for the Vegas Golden Knights. Luckily, no Ducks are in the COVID-19 list. So that's good news for Anaheim. Then it was announced by the NHL that tomorrow's game will indeed be plain. This was just less than an hour ago that this announcement came out. No postponements, nothing like that. And here's the statement from the National Hockey League on last night's game. Quote, The National Hockey League announced today that immediately upon notification that one of its players had returned a positive test for COVID-19, the Vegas Golden Knights removed forward Thomas Noshik from Tuesday night's game versus Anaheim in precise accordance with the terms of the league's COVID protocol. Noshik was immediately isolated from his teammates and close contact tracing was begun, also in accordance with protocol. Tomorrow night's game in Las Vegas between the Golden Knights and Ducks remains scheduled to be played at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Rapid PCR point-of-care tests will be administered to all players and staff on both teams in advance of that game, in addition to the daily lab-based PCR testing, and any decision regarding potential postponement will be made by the league's NHL players associations and clubs medical officials following all COVID protocols and local and federal regulations. The Vegas organization has followed and will continue to follow all recommended guidelines aimed at protecting the health and safety of their players, staff, and community at large as set by the NHL local, state, and national agencies. End quote. Really? Really? I don't, I don't buy that last line. It adds insult to injury that it says, oh, we're aimed at protecting the health and safety of the players. One of your players just tested positive. You've had dozens of players test positive in the National Hockey League. If they were more serious about protecting the health and safety of the players, they would have postponed Thursday night's game. This is a bad look on the National Hockey League. Is it irresponsible? A little bit. Should they be playing? No. Look at what's happened in other teams. They postponed their games. Why not here? Oh, because it's money. Of course it's a money thing. We're not dumb. We're not blind to this. It's all about a money thing. Last night, they continued to play after someone had tested positive. You know what happened in the American Hockey League after someone tested positive? They stopped the game. Where did that happen? Oh, look, it only happened a few miles away at the Orleans Arena with the Henderson Silver Knights and the San Jose Barracuda. Except it was the road team at that point because one of the Barracuda players tested positive for COVID-19. That came back in the second period. They finished the second period, went to the locker rooms, and then it was called. It was called after that. They didn't play the third period. The game was suspended after that. No makeup because it's a preseason game. Who cares about that, right? Because where's the money in a preseason game? No crowd, no TV deal because, again, it's a preseason game. So they called the game right there. For the National Hockey League, it's all about them ratings, baby. It's all about that money, that ad money. So, of course, they're going to finish off the game and play on Thursday. That's what it comes down to. So 
yes, this does show irresponsibility by the league at large to continue playing tomorrow night's game between these same two teams. Thomas Nochik was out there with all those ducks and all those knights. I get that. But it still seems irresponsible to me to continue playing. So as a result of this announcement, we are going to have a game tomorrow. So I guess we'll talk about that game on Friday. So that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. Sorry if I got a little crazy there, but it's been a crazy 15 hours since the game ended. Of course, people are not thrilled with the fact that they're even playing tomorrow, but it is what it is. This is 2021 in a nutshell. We can't even use the excuse, well, it's 2020. No, it's 2021. This is not the best look for the league. But we're going to press on like nothing's wrong when in fact there is still stuff wrong. We're going to see more positive tests. We're going to see more games that are postponed. It's going to happen. The Ducks have a ton of room. I guess I could understand from a Vegas standpoint because they've already lost games. They can't afford to lose many more games. I kind of get that. But there's room in the schedule. So, yeah, let's just be careful for the rest of the season and try to show a little bit of responsibility here. All right, uh, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Tomorrow is Thursday. I did this last season. I did this before in 2019, and we're going to bring it back for this season. Thursdays are going to be dedicated to the San Diego Gulls, the AHL minor league affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks. So tomorrow, instead of having a preview, it will be all about the Gulls, We're going to talk about their two-game sweep over the weekend. And we're also going to talk about tonight's game. It's the face-off series between the Ontario Reign and the San Diego Gulls. That game takes place at 7 p.m. at Five Points Arena in Irvine. That'll be on AHL TV. And you can be sure to hear Andy Zilch on the call. Meanwhile, you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts can be heard. Make sure to tune into Locked On NHL. Sarah Avampado will be back next week, but you can listen to all the other fantastic hosts on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that includes Locked On NHL. Also, check out Locked On Bets with your boy Q, spitting out all the lines out there and having some very accurate lines. These guys know what they're talking about. So tune into Locked On Bets. Also, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow my personal Twitter at StimpyJD. Finally, make sure to rate five stars. Subscribe if you haven't already. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That way you do not miss an episode. Once again, tomorrow will be all about the San Diego goals. And you know we're going to talk about Trevor Zegers for a minute or 10 or 13. It's going to be a Trevor Zegers type of show because he is still the leading point scorer in the AHL in only two games, folks. Two games, five points. My prediction for tonight's game, he's going to score another couple points. He'll be up to seven points. And I'll also talk much more about Zegers on tomorrow's podcast. You do not want to miss that. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. Please continue practicing social distancing. Stay safe out there. Be kind to one another. And Ducks fly together.
send a wire by telegram And also get the news by teletype Now we look at Mars through a telescope That's communication 